go over to Joshua chapter 1. So we're going to start out in Luke chapter 2 and then, and then go then from there to um, Joshua chapter 1. Um, one of my favorite sayings I've always heard people say my whole entire life um, was now I've seen it all. And I guarantee you've been there in your life where you've seen something and you're like, well, I've seen it all now. I can't believe that. Um, how did that happen? And right now when we go through life, uh, we've seen uh, things in the last few years that we never thought we'd ever see. Um, we've seen things that we never thought would happen. We've th seen things that we never thought would even be close to be a part of our lives, but yet we have seen them. But what I want to share with you today is this. We haven't seen everything, but we have seen enough. We have not seen everything yet, but we have seen enough. And I want to explain that to you by reading a scripture um, from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. And it's a story about the birth of, the, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You understand Luke 2. But eight days later, after his birth, they're taking our Savior to the temple to offer a sacrifice for, his, um, for him. Isn't that amazing? The one that is going to be offered as a sacrifice for all was brought to the temple eight days after his birth to be sacrificed for um, those two turtle doves. But while they're bringing um, Joseph and Mary, um, bringing Jesus to the temple, they bump into a priest. His name is Simeon. And I want you to listen to this story. Luke chapter 2 verses 25 through um, 32. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's temple, the, Lord's, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, and a light to bring the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon saw the most important thing he had ever seen in his life. And that important thing, the most important thing that he had ever seen in his life was Christ Jesus. And he had a, he picked up the baby, held him in his arms, and he said something as profound as you could possibly say. For my eyes have seen your salvation. And he understood that God in his mercy, that God in his grace had kept him alive uh, to the point where he could be able to hold that baby Jesus in his hand, the salvation of the world. And he understood that that salvation um, was not just for him, but what, who was it for? For all peoples. In verse 31, which you have prepared before the face of your people. All people were going to be able to receive this gift that came 
as the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Gideon, as Simeon held this baby and understood, and he had seen Jesus Christ, pretty much what he said after he held that baby and, and, and prayed that prayer, you know what? pretty much what he said? I can die now in peace. I know that we had good football yesterday. Thank the Lord for good football. Um, but we did, in 1994, a lot of us have no clue what happened in 1994 because most people are not hockey fans. But the New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup, and um, this sign became famous, and I can remember it even as, as a young college kid. But it says, now I can die in peace. And the guy holding the sign it became famous, and he was able to understand that after the Stanley Cup win, after the New York Rangers ran, won the Stanley Cup, he at that moment in his life figured that he could die in peace because that happened. And I want to say something from the bottom of my heart as kind as I possibly can say. There are a bunch of people that have something in their mind today that they want to see happen before they die. And they feel like if they can see that happen before they die, that they could simply die in peace. I, don't, I hope it's not Kentucky winning the state in a championship or something like that. I hope it's not the Pittsburgh Steelers winning another Super Bowl or whatever that may possibly be happening. And I definitely hope it's not the Ohio State Buckeyes winning, the <laughs> winning it all because you're going to have to wait a little bit longer on that one. But I don't know what it is that you're trying to remember, try to think. I, long, I, when this happens, I can finally die in peace. And honesty is this. There's only one event that ever can happen in your life that could prepare you for the point where you could die in peace. And that is repenting of your sins and believing in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That is the moment of salvation. That event is the only event in your life that would get you to the place, prepare you for the time that you could actually hold up a sign and say, you know what, I can die in peace now. And this is what... The Simeon was understanding he, God had allowed him to stay alive. He was elderly. He was up in the age. He was there waiting, and God allowed him to see Jesus. God allowed, to see him, allowed him to see the baby Jesus, the Savior of the world, and he got to hold that, and he praised God for even giving him that opportunity today that he can now die in peace because he had held the salvation of mankind in his hands. He had seen Jesus. I pray today that you will not leave God's house until you could be able to say without any doubt in your life, without any insecurity, that you can say, I can die in peace now because I have believed in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I have trusted in Him and He saved me from my sins. And that's what we can see today, that we have that possibility. But with that said, we're going into 2023 and I'll tell you one thing, that 2023 is already looking pretty sketchy. Because we're really close to having some tough times come our way in so many different ways. And in so many different ways, I don't want to tell you those because, you know what, I don't want you to say, well, that's depressing. Because I can depress you real quick on what's, what, what possibly could happen over the next few days um, in our political life, or the next few days in our war life, the next few days in our economy life. I mean, things could get rough real quick in a hurry, and they could even be scary. But we have a tendency, and I have a tendency in my life, to be able to say, you know what we need? We need to be stronger. We need to be tougher. We need to, need to, to buckle down. And, and, and we do, because we are, we're weaker people. 
this older generation that we're, we're losing um, uh, day by day and, and week by week, um, those people, the best way to explain them is they're tougher than lips on a woodpecker. They're just tough people. But now you fast forward to this generation, and we're not. And the generation coming don't even have, I mean, they, they're, you could blow really hard and sneeze and knock them right down. I mean, they're just not tough. It's just how it is. I mean, it's sad, but, but, that, but that's just really how it is. Um, and what we'd like to be able to say is, you know what we need to do is we need to be tougher and, and, and be stronger. And that, that's, that's the whole idea. But I want to read to you a scripture today that kind of gives us the idea that what we need to be is tougher people. What we need to be is stronger people, courageous people. And I want to see that what we need to understand is not take verses out of context, but read the entire verse in context, and we'll see how it changes everything. The Bible says in, in Joshua chapter 1 in verse 9, if you flip back over to that part of the Bible, the Old Testament, we see here it says, Have I not commanded you? So at the very beginning, we understand um, that this is a commandment from the Lord. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the very first, verse 9, he says, Be strong and courageous. You look up in verse 6. Verse 6 says this, Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Then in verse 7, so three times in four verses, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all of the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and very courageous. So I guess we can understand that the Lord just wanted Joseph, Joshua, to be what? Tough, strong, and courageous. And that's understanding. Our speech in our everyday life kind of mirrors that. Because um, when, someone, when, when someone feels like they can't do something, me and you always chime in and say, no, you can do it, right? You, you can do it. You're strong enough. You're smart enough. Um, you can put your mind to it. You can, you can do that. You can do this. But actually reading the whole context of Joshua chapter 1, we can discover something special that would help us grow as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a disciple of Christ. Instead of telling Joshua that because he is amazing, because he is following his heart and he won't ever give up, um, we're actually going to see that it is because God is amazing. And he has some great plans for Joshua. It's not that Joshua is going to do what he wants to do, but God has some great plans for Joshua. He has some specific plans for Joshua. Joshua just can't go out there and be who he wants to be. He can't go out there and just create what he wants, do what he, create what he wants to create and go where he wants to go. God has some what kind of plans for him? Some detailed specific plans because God is strong Joshua can be strong because God is who he is 
Joshua can have courage. It's not about Joshua. It is about the God Joshua serves. It is not a, us, not about me, and it's not about you. It's about the God who we serve. That is who is strong. That is who is courageous. And because he is strong, because he is filled with courage, we can be as well. So when we look at this and break it down in the verses in Joshua chapter 1, we can see that Joshua had to submit to the Lord because he had a job he needed to do. And by doing that, he would have strength and courage to accomplish that work. We start out in Job, in Joshua chapter 1 in verse 2. And it says this in Joshua chapter 1 in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Isn't that a great way to stop right there, that period? Moses, my servant, is dead. I don't know if you've noticed. In one week, we have lost three senior saints in our church. One week. Donna Vaughn passed away. Uh, then we had um, um, Lily and Gray passed away. And then, and then Brother Clyde passed away. Um, all this just happened in just a few days, not to mention all the other um, in, our, in our distant family as well. You know what we don't think about? Is, is when those people pass away, they're no longer doing what they did before. When Audrey and Marie were here, you could not beat Audrey and Marie. And I would never brag on them when they were here because they would put you in a headlock. They didn't like it. They wanted to brag on the Lord. But Audrey and Marie was going to pray for you no matter what. And they were going to be honest with you no matter what. I laughed so hard one time. About eight or nine years ago, Audrey put her arms around me after a sermon one Sunday morning and she said, you know what, preacher? You're getting better. Amen, amen. Well, thank you. You know what I'm saying? That's you're getting better. That's, that's what I need to hear right there. You're getting better. But you know what I knew they were going to do every day of my life? Pray for me. But you know what happened? They both died. What we have to understand is this. When those who go ahead of us, they leave us with their responsibilities. And what we do, when Robbie C. passes away, someone has to step in and be a prayer warrior. Step up. You know what happens when Brian Withers passes away? Someone's got to step up. You know what? How long has Brian been gone? Almost two years, right? You know, we still haven't had anybody take over Brian's job. We can blame COVID. We can blame whatever. But you know what Brian was? He was an usher. But he was not an usher like, like simple usher. He came to every service. 8.30. He was, him and Mike Ellis, only two people that get to hear my sermon twice. And he made sure he had enough men each Sunday to take up the offering. When he passed, nobody ever took that over. You know what happens? Moses, my servant, is dead. 
So you know what Joshua is going to have to do? He's going to have to step up, submit to the Lord, and do that what God's called him to do. Listen to what the Bible says. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, that now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, which you all this people to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Joseph, jo Joshua had to submit to the Lord because he had a job to do. Me and you do not like the word submit. We don't like the phrase submission because we think submission has something to do like with a wrestling hold where someone puts you in a headlock and holds you down until you tap out. That's not what submitting to the Lord means. Submitting to the Lord does not mean that the Lord puts you in a headlock and keeps you from breathing. It does not mean the Lord puts you in a headlock and keeps you from doing what you want to do. It does not mean that the Lord puts you in a headlock and keeps you from everything fun. That's what, not what submitting to the Lord means. Submitting to the Lord means that you become in the place that you were created to be. You are in the place that you were made, born to be in God's holy will. Submitting to the Lord means that you're exactly where you were created, doing what you were supposed to be doing the whole entire time. That's because we were created for His glory, for His honor, to exalt His holy name. So submitting is not something ugly. When I do weddings, many times the young ladies that, that will come up to me and say, say now I, I, I want to get married, but I don't want you to use that word submission because I'm not going to be submitted to nobody. And you know what I tell them in the most loving manner as I possibly can? You may not want to get married then. If you don't want to submit to somebody, don't get married. Stay single, sweetie. You know, mingle out there. You know, you, you don't have to get married. If you don't want to be submitted, well, I just, I want to be married. I just don't want to submit. So what you want to do, you want a biblical covenant, but outside of God's word? Why? It doesn't make sense. You know, the Bible says that a husband a wife is to be submitted to her husband. That's a popular verse. I'm sure most of you all have that on your kitchen wall. Don't you? Me, I do. That's right there. Emma, we got it really big. And, uh, no, I don't. I, I don't. But let me share something with you. The Bible says this. You, we quote, wives be submitted to your husband, and it makes everybody upset. But wait a minute. Please, young ladies, listen to me on this. If you have a husband who loves you biblically, Ephesians 5.20, like the Christ loved the church, you are going to love to be submitted to that man. You're going to love to be under his umbrella. You're going to love to be in the relationship you are in with him because it is honoring God and it is honoring you. It is the greatest place that you could ever be because it's biblical. Submission is not a bad word. It's a word that glorifies God. And Joshua had to submit himself to God because God had a plan. It was so much easier to let Moses go ahead and do it. And Joshua sat back in the background and do nothing. But now Moses is dead. Joshua's pushed up and said, now it's your turn, buddy. It's your turn. Submit to the Lord. And Joshua had to do that. The second thing we see is this. Joshua had to believe in the Lord. Verse 3 says this, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. Joshua, and I know it's simple, and I know that you say, well, that's not very deep theological. It don't have to be. What Joshua had to do 
He had to believe in the promises that the Lord said to him. You know one thing that me and you struggle with is that we don't believe in the promises that the Lord has given us. The number one problem that I deal with in many cases is people are scared of the unknown. They're afraid of what's going to happen maybe when they die. But the Bible tells us, not let your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. I go before you to prepare a place for you. And where I am, you will be with me. You know what the Lord is telling us, giving us the promise? That He has gone ahead of us to prepare a, a mansion for us in glory, in heaven, where no one has ever seen something as beautiful as that place. No, no hearts even imagine that place. And what we have to understand is this. The only part I have in that is believing it. <laughs> believing that when I die, then the Lord, that means the Lord's got my house ready. That he's prepared that place for me in heaven. And now I just get to go to that house that was prepared for the Lord. You know what? That's us believing in the Lord. If he says that he's going to take care of me, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. You know what we need to believe? We need to believe God cares for us. We need to trust in the promises that God said. And that's what Joshua had to do. God told Joshua what land he was going to do. Whatever you step on, that belongs to you. I gave that to you. That's a promise from me. What Joshua had to do was trust in those promises. What me and you need to do if we want to be strong and courageous in 2023 is trust in the promises of God to know that it's in his control and not ours. He had to believe in the Lord. The third thing we see is in verse 5, and it says this, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. You know what I know, understand, is that God knows that we're a lot like our puppies. My puppy dog has, um, uh, what is that called when, uh, when you leave them? They're uh, separation anxiety. She pretty much believes when I, when I leave, I ain't never going to come back again. She pretty much believes that hot dog I give her is probably the last hot dog she ever going to get the rest of her life. You know what I'm saying? She wants me to encourage her all the time. Sitting there. But, you know, we're the same way. And God's constantly repeating throughout the whole entire Holy Word that He will never leave us nor forsake us. You know what He wants me and you to do? To trust in His presence. That He has not left us. He was there yesterday. He's, going to be, he's there today, and you know where he's going to be tomorrow? Right there with us. It's always going to be in, we're always going to be in his presence. As I was with Moses, so I am with you. Today we need to trust in the presence of God, knowing that he is not someplace far off, but he is right here with me and you. That's a blessing. And when you understand that the Almighty God is walking with you, the Lord Jesus Christ is in you, when you come up with against a difficult problem, you know what? You can be strong. You can be courageous, not because you're tough, but because of the person who's with you. Jesus. Because of God is there with you that never leaves you nor forsake you. Just like I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And the fourth thing I want to show you is in verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, 
but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Pretty much what verse 8 says is that God's holy word is here or there. It's insignificant. If you got time, some days, next week sometime, maybe next month, maybe you ought to crack it open and read it every now and then. Is that what verse 8 says to anybody in this room? Not one person. We all see the significance of the laws of God. We all see the importance of it. How often in our life? Day and night. Every day, meditating on them. Right now today, I want to share a, a statistic with you that shocked me, and I pray and hope that it shocks you. 20%, 28% of Americans today do not believe the Bible is a literal word of God. 28%. In 2007, so almost a decade and a half ago, 15 years ago, in 2007, 35% of Americans believed that the Word of God was literally God's literal Word of God that was really inspired by Him. We have lost 7% in 15 years. So what we're losing is a half of a percent a year that no longer believe that God's Word is holy. You know what that means? In my lifetime and in your lifetime, we will live to be able to see that less than 10% of Americans believe on God's holy word. You think America looks strange today. You wait till that time happens. You think that we're doing bad with 28%. You wait till 12% believes it. It's going to be unbelievable. But you know what's going to have to happen in my life and your life? We're going to have to stand on the word of God. If there's only 28% of us, buddy, we better pull our part. We better be standing on the Word of God. We better be meditating on it day and night. We better be allowing it to be a part of our everyday life, understanding it is significant and it is a life-changing and it cuts both coming and the going. Book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. If you want to be strong and courageous, stand on God's word. Allow that to be a part of your life. And the last thing I'm going to show you is this. Is Joshua had to decide who he was going to serve. I want you to flip over to Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And I know you've got to go over a few pages. I understand that. If you're online, I don't even know how you get there. Just start pushing buttons. You'll be there in a minute. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15 says this. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river. You know what he's doing? He's giving them options. He's not wanting them to choose these options. He's just understanding that there are options. 
and he understands that there's going to have to be a choice to make. They, they could serve um, as their fathers did, the ones on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whom the land you dwell. You can be like these heathens you live with right now. Or you can be like your fathers were on the other side of the river. You, you decide. But listen to Joshua. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what happened to Joshua? He submitted to the will of God. He believed in the promises of God. He trusted in the presence of God. He stood on the word of God. And you know what he did? He chose to serve God. And that's where we need to find ourselves in this year. What are you going to do about it? I know that our basketball team uh, in Kentucky is not doing very well this year. But one thing you got to admit to me, even Jeff Nesbeth can make this, uh, this to be clear, and, and James Ellis, is that Rupp Arena has the best ice cream in the world. Can you be honest with me? The soft serve ice cream is the best ice cream you can have. And I was there a while back and had my big old thing of soft serve ice cream. It's caffeine free, you know, sugar free. I can eat that. And I was eating it and this little girl bumped into me and knocked my ice cream down on the floor. So I had to decide what I was going to do. Get it in five seconds or less. You know what I'm saying? But it was Rupp Arena and pretty nasty. You know what I'm saying? Um, I could beat up the little girl because she should be watching where she was going when the fat boy's eating his ice cream. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's just so many decisions I can make, uh, choices I could have, what I was going to do in that situation. You know what I mean? And it was going through my mind. I wanted to, to make her pick it up. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't. Uh, but you know what choice you pretty much have to make is... Got to get over it. Just got to go on. Even though it's tough, right? You got to go on. You know what? That's the easiest thing that will ever happen to you in life. But man, there's some tough things that are going to happen to us in the next few days. A few months, a few years. There's some tough things that already have happened to us. And the question is, is this. What are you going to do about it? Now that it's happened... What are you going to do? And my answer is this. Be strong and courageous. Not because of who you are, but because of who He is. Because our God is the wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. And I am going to make a choice in my heart. And I know that people say don't make any kind of New Year's resolutions because God in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 holds you to those. <laughs> so be careful. I'm excited about all of us being skinnier and richer in over the next few weeks. And, you know, I'm excited about that too, just as much as you are. I just hope that you tithe on your, your wealth that you have in the next few months. But we have all this stuff coming, New Year's resolutions. But one thing I'd want to share with you is this. Joshua 1.9, strong and courageous. I would pray this for our church, that we would be a people who would submit to his will.
that we realize Moses has died, but God's people still have a journey to take. And he wants us to be a part of that journey to work, minister, and serve his kingdom. I pray that we will submit to the will of God. I pray that we will believe in his promises and believe in his son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I pray that we will trust in his presence. Even though times can be scary, even times are tough, there's never been a time in our life we've been out of the presence of God. He was with us yesterday. He's with us right now. And he's promised he'll be with us tomorrow. But that we'll put our trust in his presence. And even know that only 28% of America believes in it, I pray that we as a church stand on God's holy word. Even though it's a time where people are ignoring it, People are ridiculing it. People are wanting to trash it. I pray that we stand upon the Word of God. And I pray that each one of us today make a choice. You may serve that person, you may serve that one. You, there's so many different ways, philosophies, so many different teachings, so many, so many different thinkings out there today. But I pray today that but we, in our family, chooses to serve the Lord. If you're here this morning, if you've never believed, today is the day of salvation. I've heard people say, you know what? Being in God's house on the first day of the year, that's the best way to start out any year. And I say, praise the Lord. But you know what? giving your heart to Jesus Christ and repenting your sins and believing on Him and being saved for eternity, now that's a way to start a year out. That's a way. I'm sure if we turn on the news here pretty soon, there's going to tell us of the first baby that was born on the new year. And I bet there's a local college ready to give that baby a scholarship. Or we have one lady in our church, Teresa Baldridge, she was born on New Year's Day. I'm not going to tell you what year. <laughs> Because I don't know, or I would. Because I'm mean. <laughs> Not very courageous, but I'm mean. <laughs> uh, but you know how amazing it would be if you were born again today on the new year. Say yes to Jesus Christ. And if you're a believer and you've, you've walked away, we're getting ready to have communion with the Lord today. And you know what he's saying? Come down and sit with me at the table. And he is ready. He is just to forgive you of your sins. He wants to have communion with you. Believe upon him today and repent of your sins. Lord God, we love you.